This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man Staten. This podcast is dedicated to blue-collar, hard-working public land elk hunters. We preach hard work, delayed gratification, discipline, and staying accountable to yourself. We value faith, family, fitness, fiscal discipline, and of course, public land elk hunting. So come along as we try to educate, motivate, and inspire you to become the best possible version of yourself. Our podcast is brought to you by Wilderness Athlete, performance you deserve. Fuel your body with the best. Use our discount code ELKSHAPE30 and save 30% off your first purchase. We are also brought to you by NUMA Outdoors. Geared for the outdoors, made with bow hunters in mind, built to over-deliver, and most importantly, designed to outperform. Check out numaoutdoors.com and be sure to use the discount code ELKSHAPE20 to save 20% off your purchase. Matthews Archery elevating the archery experience take a test drive with the matthews v3 31 or 27 at a local dealer near you vortex optics i've been partnered with vortex since 2010 this company is awesome they're american owned veteran owned they're based in wisconsin their entire team of designers and engineers produce and distribute a complete line of premium sport optics accessories and apparel most of the apparel that i wear while training scouting and hanging out around the house is vortex wear go ahead and check it out and if you want to save 20 percent, enter the discount code elk shape at checkout and you'll save 20 percent. new from vortex in 2021 is their tripods the one i've been using in the backcountry is their summit carbon tube and their radian carbon and it also has a ball leveling head and it's perfect for rock solid shooting there is the tripod to fit everyone's needs from Vortex now, and it's still covered with their lifetime no-fault transferable VIP warranty. Check it out at VortexOptics.com. 
Hey, welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man. What's up? Bringing on a total backcountry BA, Dan's for badass, uh, Dan Salzman out of Idaho. Uh, this guy's been on the podcast before. He was deployed all last year, missed hunting season, which the elk were stoked about because the guy's batting a thousand when it comes to elk hunting. He's never not punched an elk tag and he's not even from idaho originally he's an east coast transplant six for six i believe on elk public land do it yourself self-guided this guy is cool because uh he's the real deal he's not fake there's no fluff and he's got an amazing work ethic he's a family man he's a hard worker i just love this guy and i'm gonna apologize right now when i was editing this podcast i talked way too much and didn't let Dan talk enough. Uh, I don't know. It was in the morning. It was early. Maybe Dan didn't have enough coffee. But either way, I appreciate Dan coming on. Awesome dude. You're going to love this podcast. We're going to talk about bears. We're going to talk about elk. We're going to talk about nutrition, uh, his struggle with weight loss, all that kind of stuff. Good listen. You'll get some motivation, some inspiration, and some education. Three, two, one. Let's go. Hey, can you hear me? Hey, Dan. What up? Not much, buddy. What's going on? Oh, you know, just uh, 7 a.m. my time. Just nobody's awake, so it's very nice and peaceful, you know? Yeah. Your kid's up yet? I've got one of them standing here next to me. Perfect. But uh, I'm out in the backyard just hanging out with the dog and the chickens and this guy. Kind of the same deal because it's quiet out here. Cool. Well... How to how to go last night? Did you get out to the mountains and do some bear hunting? I did. I uh, I've got a bait going, so I went and sat that, and uh, no luck, nothing happened. So I've got a buddy that's got one a couple miles away, and same thing. Bears just weren't moving last night. Seemed like so. Mm-hmm. Bus. So what time do you usually slip into your tree stand or on the ground or whatever? Tell me about your bait setup. Um, so I, I try to get in there kind of mid afternoon ish. Uh, it seems like there's a lull in the day, you know, kind of that bears don't start hitting it again until five o'clock or so. So I tried to be in there before that I've got a, the way I've got mine set up is that I can get in there. I can walk in straight, sit to where I can see the bait. Um, even if there's bears on it with uh you know as long as my wind is right i can i can slip right in and my plan this year was to sit like 150 yards from the bait downhill in the evenings so the thermals are pulling down winds are good in my face and then sneak up you know I, i've got kind of a, a blind spot for the majority of the way to where from where i'm sitting to where the bait site is too so i could uh slip over and pop up about 50 yards from the bait site with my bow and then you know just have to close that last little bit we call that ground and pound and i didn't invent it but somewhere through the process of hunting bears over bait for many years uh, i was tired of giant boars showing up at my bait at uh, basically vampire status middle of the night mega giants and then as soon as they daylight, we'd get excited. We'd do, dude, we'd do everything to try to see one of those during the daylight. For example, we would do the old four-wheeler pull up to the bait, rebait it, smoke honey. Hunter goes up the tree stand, partner 
tried that tried the old leave clothes in the tree stand so it smells like you're there and they get used to your smell uh, we've tried burning grease oil honey from the tree stand nonstop while hunting so many different tactics but at the end of the day the ultimate baiting tactic is to get your ass like you are doing several hundred yards away from the from the bait just to not be there <laughs> that's kind of the key like get out of there don't check your camera just stay out that's awesome uh we we did that this year with uh a guy named brandon mcdonald he's got a youtube channel he's never killed a bear he showed up probably the last couple days of may and it was like highs of the mid 80s and in fact the day he killed i believe the high was 92 in the mountains and I was just like, dude, we're not, we're not gonna kill bears when it's this hot. We have to bait. And he was like, okay. So we set up a bait, similar situation, 150 yards, edge of timber. The place was handpicked because the wind just sucks through a, through like a divide, like a pass. And so even in the evening, the wind's kind of going up, so the bears can't circle you where you're glassing from. And then it's just a nice sneaky blind spot where you can sneak into 50. And we put that bait out, and within 12 hours, we had a bear hitting. And I do believe um, it's harder to do spot and stock as it gets more green. And everything was green at that point. But he showed up the next day. The bear came in. He slipped up. I think he made it to 50 and then decided he was going to shoot because the bear started acting funky. And... Uh, got his first bear so we call it ground and pound it's very effective uh when did you learn that or when did you evolve to that or is that what you started doing when you started baiting no i, I did all the same things you were talking about at first and i would you know have buddies pull up and leave vehicles leaving you know doing that whole routine and then uh i actually heard i, I actually heard this from russ russ meyer um talking to him about his bait setup and i know that guy kills good bears all the time him and his boys so so i just uh started doing it this way yeah it's good so how many days do you have left uh, on the season uh, i've got till the 30th of this month so i've got a couple weeks left okay. it seemed like uh seems like the baits do really well when it's warm trying to find them spot and stock style is harder oh without a doubt bears hit the baits when it's hot and this cold front these last couple days i don't know if it's that or a combination of elk calves hitting the ground or what, but for some reason it's been, you know, this weekend's just been cold and rainy and like with everything else with deer hunting and stuff like that gets them moving. And that's always a, a good thing, you know, but it's just shut the bears down completely for whatever reason. Yeah. So like me, you, I don't know if you killed before I did or I killed after you, but like I like early May uh, it's a gamble as far as weather and snowpack from year to year, but, the, the green is so concentrated at the beginning of the year or the beginning of the season that I call it it's natural bear bait. It's like that glade just got first sprouts of grass. That is a active live bear bait. Hunt that, and you'd be surprised how many different bears are hitting that natural bait. Um, what day did you kill your spot and stock bear this year? Uh, the 7th of May. Oh, no. you Yeah, you're, you're – you beat me by a couple weeks, dude. So tell us, take us through that story real quick. Okay. Um, 
So I had a tag that opened April 1st. So a unit with a lot of lower country in it. So kind of the, the snowpack wasn't as big of an issue as some of the areas I typically hunt in. So I got to get a little early jump on it, which was cool. But um, I, uh, I haven't killed a bear in a couple of years and just decided that uh, I wanted to see as many bears as possible and wasn't going to shoot one unless it was a, a no doubter kind of situation. So I spent, you know, like from April 1st to May 2nd, just bombing into four or five, six different areas, not seeing bears. I found one hill that consistently had bears on it. So we just kind of focused on that and started watching it repeatedly. Um, we were actually just to have no impact. We're watching it from a, across a Canyon on a different mountain, like a mile and a half away. And, uh, just trying to see if, you know, maybe as the bears started moving more and more, and like you said, hitting that, that concentrated feed, cause that's all it was that eventually a good bear would, would show up. So, um, we made like 12 or 13 trips, just watching different bears. And we'd see, I think we saw like, uh, as many as eight or nine the one night wow just cruising this one same mountain um so yeah so we did that a couple times and um i actually had myself kind of convinced to to kill this it wasn't a giant bear but it was just really pretty blonde and uh so i went over there to try to make a play and couldn't find that bear went back the next night sat in a different spot that the wind, once you're on the same hill as the bears, the wind was just a nightmare. So trying to get, trying to get into a spot where you could shoot was, uh, was tough. The couple times I was over there, I managed and, and it, plus it was crawling with bears too. So you'd bump bears, trying to get after the bear that you wanted to find. And then the wind would swirl. And so it was, uh, it was tough. I mean, there was not, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a walk in the park for sure, but so I went over there a couple nights in a row and just decided to sit at the very top and just kind of waited out and not make a move until I was absolutely sure I wasn't going to bust any bears. And, uh, it was like eight 30 at night. I hadn't, uh, I hadn't seen any good bears. My buddy was on the other side watching the hill and there wasn't much going on. And I had a bear stand up and come out of the brush, like 300 yards below me, a little cinnamon bear. I was like, well, he's, decent but he was heading a direction where i'd never seen any of the other bears go he was walking into like up over through this saddle into a different canyon that we typically don't look at because earlier in the year it didn't it didn't have any bears in it so i just decided to get up and follow him i was like well let's see what he's going he's going that way for a reason you know maybe there's maybe there is some bears over there so i followed him for a few hundred yards and came through the saddle and then uh once I got over there and looked into that back canyon, that, that no doubter was standing down in the bottom of about a mile away. So as soon as I had binos on that bear, I knew that was the, that was the bear to go after. So I uh, kind of took off down the ridge, had to swing around this chunk of private in the middle of nowhere and uh, actually got like halfway to this bear and it took off, like just bolted down into the bottom. So I, I didn't know if I had spooked it or if there was another bear or what was going on, but I had to cross back to the other side of the canyon again so I could find it. I relocated it. It only ran like 100 yards for whatever reason and stopped. So I found it again, crossed back over, 
and just kept side hilling my way down the canyon to that bear and um I got to a spot where it was gonna round this point walking towards me and I was out on this little knob like across this steep little drainage and I couldn't get any closer to it without losing it again you know I was gonna have to drop way underneath it and come back up I figured um with the, with the light running out and the probability of just walking straight into that bear being what it was I would just set up and wait for it to walk straight into me which eventually it did a couple minutes later it rounded the corner and kept coming so I uh by the time I got over there I was huffing and puffing and, and sweating pretty good I got I got hung up I got stuck in a creek bottom and got my bino harness wrapped up in a bunch of brush and uh it's a good thing it was uh wind was blowing straight in my face and that bear was moving around making noise because it was a it was a nightmare trying to get over to where that thing was I'm sure you know it's spring bear country it's steep and, and and brushy and nasty so once I got myself freed out of the thorn bush I got over there and kind of dropped prone and and uh rushed rushed a shot when that bear came around the corner and actually missed him and then he ran towards me and I ran towards him and we met up uh we met up about half the distance down in the bottom spotted him again he had no idea what was going on and so I was able to to take him down there but dropped to a knee and, and took a second shot and made it happen so it was a it was a rifle hunt this year just uh it wouldn't have worked out with the bow anyway I wouldn't have been able to get to him in time for sure because it was almost dark when I shot so it was like five minutes of legal light left got a couple questions already so sure relocating bears is the name of the game when it comes to spot and stock like if you guys like a lot of people listening haven't bear hunted yet they don't live in wyoming montana idaho you know these over-the-counter oregon a little bit they have these over-the-counter or easy to draw units for bear and so it's special to to be near these states where you can actually get out there and chip the old rust off from a long winter um Tell me about your rifle setup real quick, because here's the truth. I've taken, I'm not going to name names, but I've taken a lot of rifle hunters out and I've gotten them cross canyon shots. I would say, you know, average shots about 300, but, you know, give or take. And I despise canyon shooters because we've never recovered a bear. But we've always had to go across the canyon in a hellhole. And, of course, you get your shot five minutes before legal shooting light is over. And then you have to go all the way down, cross a blown-out creek slash river, go all the way up, and look for blood. Um, we just haven't – I just haven't – my dad's killed a couple with rifles, but I wasn't with him. But I just – I'm bad luck for anyone with a rifle, period. So what did you use for a setup – and then how, how far was the shot exactly? And like, take us through that second shot specifically, like how you were able to calm the nerves and execute. Yeah. So like I just rushed that first shot. First shot was at 350. I had that bear coming through thick brush or out on the point that he was on. And I picked an open spot out in front of him that he looked like he was heading to. And I just set up in that spot. I mean, 
looking back on it, it was definitely rushed. But in the, in the time I was like, Oh, I'm going to make this shot. No problem. You know, it was, it was 350 on the nose guns dialed. It's a, it's a custom rifle. A buddy of buddy of mine has that I borrowed from him. It's a, it's a 30 out six, um, shooting 190 grain acubons. Um, and they're, and they're cooking out of there. So, I mean, it's a, it's a hot load out of a, he calls it the hot six. <laughs> but, um, so, I mean, I've, I've got my 300 short mag and I just don't have it. I don't have a load worked up for it yet. I just got it. And so he just volunteered his rifle, same rifle I actually shot my last buck with. He just likes loaning it out to me for whatever reason. So, so I snagged that, but, uh, yeah, I, I shot. And I think that canyon was just so steep and so many different little cuts and draws that that bear had no idea where the sound came from. Just kind of rattled around in there. And um, that, that point that he was on working his way around, he ran straight down it. And then I ran straight down the side that I was on and kind of trying to hook an angle towards him. So when he took off in the bottom, I lost him in that brush and creek bottom. And then he came out, he came back out on my side. And I didn't know if I'd hit him or not. So I, uh, I just put another round in, dialed the scope back down, took a knee, you know, took a deep breath and just, uh, he was at, he was at 200 at the bottom and, uh, just shot off my knee. And when that, at that second shot, it just took the air right out of him. He just fell flat on his stomach on the ground and started cartwheeling. So. Oh yeah. And you know, he would have ended up in the bottom regardless if you shot him the first time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They tend to do that, but, uh, I'm, I'm kind of the same way as you, man. I, uh, I have not had any luck as a rifle hunter with bears and I, I shot a really nice bear about five years ago and same thing, five minutes of light left across the Canyon. Thought I was set up dialed perfectly. Wasn't rushing, wasn't out of breath, nothing. And I hammered this bear. I mean, he folded in half when I shot him. He ran across the snow. There was blood everywhere. Good tracking. I tracked that bear all night long. I slept for a couple hours. I went back up. I tracked him all the following day. And a, about a mile and a half later, he went into private. I couldn't get in there after him and wound up not recovering that bear. And it just, just made me sick, man. I never wanted to do that again. So I actually, I've passed on, passed on bears every year since. And I haven't killed one since just because I, I never got over like, not being able to kill and recover that bear so after after not hunting at all last year with the deployment and everything and then really being itching to get out and get after something i was like okay this is the year to kill a bear but i'm going to do it right i'm not going to take too far of a shot or, or do anything stupid you know and make absolutely sure that it's uh it's the right bear i'm not just killing a bear just to kill one you know we're going to talk about your deployment missing an entire elk season serving your country uh, we're going to talk about your approach to nutrition you've had a lot of success and i follow you on instagram i have for a long time i love keeping up with you um the vibe i get is that you're just whoever you are on instagram is who you are in real life and if that's you i'm gonna follow you you know what i'm saying and uh so we'll get into that but let's talk about bear vitals real quick um i just shot a second bear this year over bait uh, first one was spot and stock. The second one, I was like, uh, like you said, it's getting hot. It's green. I'm still hunting. I have another tag. I'm going to hunt over bait. 
and uh, that's when it gets good for for baiting for me is about June, and uh, I guess I'll give the real story here because this is the podcast. I was hunting a mega giant bear. And I had daylight photos of them, finally, after about a month. And I was I was baiting like once a week maybe and just loading up and then not hunting at all. And uh, so I had seven or no, six different bears coming to this bait site. So, so, you know, there's a lot of bears. And um, the target bear was probably, oh, people overestimate bears in general. So I'll be conservative. Uh, for a spring bear, this bear was over 300 pounds. He was over six and a half feet. And his skull just probably in the in the 1920 range. 19 inches to 20 inches. Uh, ears look tiny. He's got a watermelon head. Uh, just a, basically the kind of bear that I've been hoping to shoot forever. Uh, my biggest bear with a, uh, is like 19 for Idaho. Um, so... Uh, once he daylighted, I was like, okay, I'm going to start hunting. And, uh, I had a ground blind set up 20 yards away from the bait in a specific draw that got shade first east facing, uh, in a way that it was above a road system that I could slip in the last two hours of daylight and just slip into the blind with the wind in my face. And the bears were coming from above. Because um, I had three trail cameras on there because I really wanted to know for sure. They're all pointed different angles to see which way the bears actually come in. And they all come in from above. So it's... Sounds exactly like my setup. Like I feel like you were in my stand, by the way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I sat that ground blind six different times and never saw a bear. Yet I would have six different bears at the bait site whenever I wasn't there. Hmm. I wonder what's going on. So I'm like, this ain't working. So we, I snuck in, my buddy Tim and I put a tree stand up 30 yards away and made like a little sneak trail to just get right into the tree stand. Don't even go to the bait. Don't even yep. check the cameras. Just slip in. And I started coming like, ooh, like 7.30, 7.45, which is crazy to get into a stand. Like it's a long drive for an hour and 15 minute hunt. But this is what you have to do. I, so first sit in that tree stand and I mean, it took five minutes and the first bear shows up and it's a black sow. I can tell she's just big, butt, no shoulders, long, you know, long nose, super skinny, narrow classic. I'm like, and it's June, dude. It's like late week of first week of June. So it's like, it's rut time, baby. I'm yeah, like, having her around is a good thing. Oh yeah, please bring in, and then I hear another bear, like messing around with a stump below me, and I'm like, well, this bear might smell me. Uh, this bear comes up, stops. I can see it through some trees, and it's the same color as my target bear. My target bear's a beautiful chocolate with the thickest, most beautiful hide ever, and I'm like, it's him. This is him. This is it. Grab your bow. Heart rate goes up. And this bear just kind of stops and stares at the ground blind for like ever, allowing my heart rate to just go higher with more anticipation. Long story short, is the bear 
just steps out enough to where I can get a quartering away shot at 30 or 28 yards and I let it have it. And I was really wanting to test this whole single bevel hoopla. You know, I've been hearing a lot about single bevels. They corkscrew when they go into the animal. I've been a three blade fixed kind of guy. So this is a two blade iron wheel single bevel 125 solid with bleeders. Uh, I was using X impacts from Black Eagle, which I've never used before. That's a super light arrow. It was like 412 grains, which is a lot lighter than I've ever used. Shot it quartering away. I knew the shot was good as soon as I let it go. Um, just that angle, I was like, yeah. Because those bare vitals, in my opinion, sit back a little bit and lower yeah. than ungulates. And I made a good shot, and I knew it. And I was just listening for the death moan, which is when a bear will just expire. A lot of times, if you get both lungs, they'll let out their last breath, and it's the area sound. Did your bear death moan with the gun shot? He, he did. Isn't that nice to just confirm? Okay. Yeah. Well, I saw him. I, I, I saw him. I saw him, you know, cartwheel into the bottom. And I sat there listening for a while. And then I gave him maybe 20 minutes and went down there. And it's pitch black and choked out with brush. And I literally was going to have to crawl in after him with a flashlight. And I was like, uh, I'm just going to back out. So I, so I backed out and sat down again. And as soon as I, as soon as I hit the dirt, I just heard him start moaning. So that was nice to be like, okay, he's, He's in there. He's dead. Now I can go in looking for him. <laughs> yep. I didn't get a death moan. So I got down. I found my arrow and half the arrow was laying there where the shot was. And it was the half with the broadhead. So somehow it went in back of the hip, pierced all the way through by the shoulder and then broke off with half the arrow with the veins inside of the bear. I was like, oh, mm. this is good. I mean, two holes. And then. I didn't know because you don't, you don't go exploring around your bait. Once you've set a bait, you stay the hell out of there. I was like, oh, this is nothing but a network of bear tunnels. So take the backpack off, take the bow out, grab the handgun, put one in, grab the flashlight, and get to doing the old bear tunnel crawl, which I've done many times in the dark. And it's still not fun to this day, but you just do it. And, um, yeah. I bear crawled 80 yards on blood, not great blood either. Not like just little specks of blood here and there, uh, bright red blood, but just, you know, whatever. And I ran out of blood. So I just, I hung a flag and then I tried about seven or eight different mazes of bear tunnels, couldn't find blood. I was like, you know, I, I need daylight. I got to back out. So I backed out, came back the next day with my buddy and I brought him and his son to my flag and then I looked over and I was like oh well no wonder there's the bear right there and I also shot the wrong bear Oof. so <laughs> this was a chocolate bear it was not the the mega giant that I thought it was and uh, this bear had never been to the bait before and it was the same exact color and everything just about a hundred pounds less <laughs> and I was like dang it but uh that's okay. I'll hunt that big bear next year. I've been hunting him a few years and maybe I'll get him next year. And but yeah, well, you know that, you know, the setup to make it work next year and what, you know, so I mean, exactly. You're more dialed just a little bit closer, but I think, um, what I did is I, I put a video on, um, locals. I put a little bit on Instagram, but they kind of censor if you have blood and stuff. So I did a full like autopsy 
and I put it on locals um, so people could, because they don't censor. And man, when I opened that bear up, the internal bleeding was like nothing I've ever seen. Like it's just like gallons of blood just poured out as soon as I opened it up. So I guess my my notes for those listening is like the single bevel, obviously iron wheel penetrates like no other, like they just do. Um, it corkscrewed all the way through and created a tremendous wound channel. But the entry and exit hole, they were disappointing to me. And so, because I was based trying to figure out if I would use this on elk. Right. Even with those bleeder blades, huh? Not a... And we're going to interrupt this podcast for a quick little message from Black Rifle Coffee Company. These guys make amazing coffee here in the U.S. and they're veteran-owned and they're proudly American and unapologetic. I appreciate that. If you guys are interested in joining their coffee club or picking up maybe some swag, ready-to-drinks, or check out that new Flying Elk Roast flavor, use the discount code ELKSHAPE and that'll save you 15%. Also, Kafaru International. This is the backpack of choice for elk hunters. I use the Hoodlum or the 44 Mag. You guys need to check out Kufaru International if you are serious about packing out large loads of perfect protein off the mountain. Head over to kufaru.net to learn more. We're also brought to you by Onyx Hunt, the number one hunting GPS app. I've pretty much gone away from using an old school GPS. Obviously I still carry like an inReach, but all my hunting maps are stored and executed with the Onyx. This is the fastest downloading offline maps out there as well as the most resilient bulletproof not going to crash on you when you need it most i run tracking most days while elk hunting and i found onyx to be the most reliable hunting gps app out there check it out today and finally baku e-bikes these are e-bikes made for hunters by hunters this is a game changer for elk hunting as well as bear hunting checking your tree stand trail cams getting in and out quietly. I rock the mule. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE to knock $300 off your purchase. And if you do that, you might as well just go ahead and apply that discount towards a folding cargo trailer so you can put your elk quarters and haul them out back to the truck. And I mean, we have to caveat that bears are spongy with their hair. So when I did take the hide off and I was cleaning the hide at home, probably a gallon of blood seemed like it came off the hide, you know. So on an elk, I'm sure, I'm sure it would work well on an elk. I'm sure, but I don't think that's what I'm going to use for elk. I'm probably go back to the old fixed three blade. Yeah, I think um, that's the, I think that's the way to go. I'm uh shooting those uh, annihilators for elk this year. I'm going to try those out, but after after three bulls with kudus and kind of the same story no no good blood and a couple deflections they go in they go in where they're supposed to and come out who knows where i've had oh really oh yeah turn turn 90 degrees and lodge in the rear hip and you know another one just hit a rib and turn sideways and get nothing but guts you know and go in go in two ribs behind the front shoulder and 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 wind up being a gut shot just completely deflect and have to put another arrow into them so yeah, I haven't had any luck with those on my last couple, but that's crazy, man. Um, so the Annihilator XL is my next broadhead I was gonna test. Um, 
I just don't have anything to test it on now. But uh, I, I was, it was, I was putting that up against the single bevel from Iron Will, and I will say the Annihilator looks just really intriguing. But I noticed that about 75, 80 yards plus, they would plane significantly low and right. And it's probably my setup. It's probably not tuned perfectly for that, and I haven't tinkered enough to make sure. And so that's why ultimately I went with the Iron Will. But I do, I'm staring at those broadheads right now, and they're very intriguing. So are you going to use the XL or the, the standard 100? Yeah, I have the XLs. And you haven't shot anything with them yet? I have not. Nope. That was my plan. I have them in the quiver. Uh, I was going to try to take a bear with them first. Kind of the same deal to test them out for elk. But, uh, yeah, they fly great out of my bow. I'm not worried about what they're doing. Okay. 60 <laughs> well don't give up on bear hunting man i need you to shoot a bear with one of those even if it's a last day rat bear well well i i had the rifle with me the last the last bear sit just because uh i was i was sitting on in the woods the other day and i noticed a big a big chunk out of my uh lower limb on my bow and big piece of piece of the bow sticking off like it was delaminating and i don't know if it was from just falling on the bow over the years. I mean, I've had the same bow for five years and just beating it up in the mountains or what, but it kind of made me a little nervous that it was <laughs> coming apart. So, Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, man. Um, so let's get into deployment, bro. You've missed an entire elk season, an entire hunting season. Um, we've had you on the podcast before. Uh, you you're not only in the military, I believe you're construction management. So what do you do for the military and how long were you gone? And tell us about that. Yeah. So uh, project manager for a home builder, my civilian job. And then in the, the air national guard here in Boise um, for the last seven years. So yeah, I had uh, orders to deploy left um, in the beginning of June last year. So missed, Missed the second half of bear season. Missed the good half of bear season. Didn't I didn't even set a bait last year because they uh, they kept changing the dates that I was supposed to leave. First it was the first week of May, and then it was the end of May, and then it was the end of June, and then it was the beginning of June. So I didn't know what was happening. I, you know, I was kind of in limbo. So I missed missed bear season. Basically, went out on a couple trips, just looking around, trying to do some spot stock stuff, but you know, didn't get the full the full deal. And then. Uh, yeah, it was gone until January of this year I got home. So missed the full the full run of stuff in the fall. But um yeah, over there just uh I do construction in the in the Air Force too. I'm a heavy equipment operator for them. So was over there building a, a big complex for the army um in the UAE for a while. And so that was uh that was a, it was a cool experience. I'm glad I did it. I actually volunteered to go and signed an extension to be able to do it uh, on my enlistment. So um, it was something I wanted to do from the time that I, from the time that I decided to sign up. So uh, sacrifice the hunting season. Maybe it'll get me some good karma. <laughs> maybe yeah, not, but maybe, but yeah, it was something I felt like I had to do. So, but uh yeah, I got home in January and just was uh, fired up, ready to get after bears. Yeah, and you got a great bear. Um, dude, I don't know about you, man, but like being gone from my family that long would just suck, especially little kids. And then, 
just not hearing a bugle for an entire year would suck. So number one, thank you for your sacrifice. I that I, from the bottom of my heart. Um, how did you cope? What was your coping mechanisms? Uh, I worked out two, three times a day. <laughs> That's uh, that was kind of it, man. I got my my nutrition dialed uh, before I left. I knew what I needed to do. I wanted to I wanted to come back and you know as cliched as it sounds in the best shape of my life and not getting any younger and it's getting harder to get back in shape and I was like you know this is this is the year I'm going to get in shape and stay in shape and not do the the after the season weight gain you know I'm going to I'm going to work out as if I've got an elk hunt coming just the whole time I'm here so I was uh I built myself up to running 50 miles a week and I was work doing a you know a weight routine like 90 minutes in the morning and then I would run five miles on my lunch break run another five after work like I was just after it just to keep my mind my mind and my body exhausted so I wasn't sitting around thinking about not being home not being hunting all the things I was missing out on you know and I missed I missed you know uh, everybody's birthday all the holidays you know being gone from June to January good god uh, you know so yeah just doing uh Skype calls and FaceTiming with the wife and kids and uh 12 hour time difference so i'm saying good night to them as i'm leaving for work in the morning and getting up going to the gym you know so yeah that was about it got up at 4 30 every morning worked out for two hours went to work got out of work worked out again and went to sleep yeah so you worked with a nutritionist i want to talk about that and i want to dive a little deeper into your story as far as uh struggling or whatever you want to call it with you know weight gain and genetics and metabolism because people can relate to that preach the good word yeah is it okay if i name drop the nutritionist hell yeah <laughs> go for it yeah so uh kyle camp with valley to peak nutrition i started working with him um i reached out to him just with a question and he was like man i'd love to help you i think i think we can get a good thing going and get you figured out so uh yeah i, I started working with him he made me a, a, a plan of um just a, a pretty basic ma uh, macro split and his kind of philosophy is you know eat you can you can still eat all the foods you like you know you just uh portion is is the biggest thing and i was uh so do, after you know getting on the plan and, and and getting dialed in and starting to lose weight i just kind of figured out that I was eating healthy foods, but the amounts of foods and the amounts of, and the split of macros that I had been doing forever was just completely wrong. And, you know, every time I'd start to get a plateaued or, or, or stall out with what I was doing, I would, I would change to something else. And there was just no continuity to what I was doing. As far as my approach to nutrition, you know, I would keto for three months and then come off of it and then gain a bunch of weight and then go back to keto. And that was, so I just kind of got dialed in with uh, carbs aren't the enemy. Oh, my God. This is the best news ever. <laughs> They're going to fuel all of the intense physical activity that I'm doing. They're the most absorbable nutrition fueling my body. Uh, fast to kind of make, make your body efficient at digesting the other two and, and, and work properly. And so I was just I wasn't getting enough protein. Basically, like I was eating too much fat because I had 
fallen into the, you know, fat is healthy and fat is a fuel source kind of routine. So even when I wasn't doing keto, I just had too much fat in my diet. And uh, so, yeah, he got me all squared away and dialed in. And um, I've always been a, 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 you know, a bigger, thicker guy um, just since I was a teenager and kind of spent a lot of my adult life at like that 230 range. I'm only like 5'11", so you know, that's, that's overweight. Um, but I would, I would trim it down to about 200 pounds in the summertime every year. And then uh, by Christmas, I'd be back up to 220 or 230. And, uh, you know, I'm 36 now, so that's getting harder to do every year. But, uh, so yeah, Kyle got me down to, I got down to 189 pounds while I was over there and, uh, just kind of spitting fire. <laughs> I felt great. Um, decided I wanted to, maybe the 180s were a little too light for me, but I would hang around there and find a sustainable spot. And I've been, uh, I've been under 200 pounds for about a year now. I'm still sitting right at 195. Haven't gained any weight since I've been home. Just, just kind of in maintenance mode. And uh, it's been awesome. So yeah, I, and I struggled for, I mean, literally my entire adult life with trying to figure out how to eat properly. And I went through all the all the excuses and theories I could think of with metabolism and uh, everything else, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I'm just built to be fat <laughs> and uh turns out it's not the case. I just, I just have never properly dialed in the, uh, the amount of foods and in, in, in the amounts that I needed to. So I feel that. So Dan, do you still run 50 miles a week? Uh, are you still doing functional fitness, <clears throat> CrossFit type stuff? What are you doing right now? I, uh, I'm not running 50 miles a week anymore. Um, I, I go out and do a, do a 5K or and, and, and I've been doing some shorter runs. I'm not training for any races right now. I'm, I'm just kind of trying to be in a sustainable pattern. I have a very addictive personality. And when I start working out, I start working out like a madman. And I, I get sucked into you know, taking 12 hours off is a rest day and I need to run in the morning and CrossFit in the evening. And <laughs> as the, as the kids are growing up and the life gets busier, it's getting harder to do that. So I'm just, yeah, I got a, I got a gym set up in the garage right now. I'm, I'm doing a wad in the morning before work, like four days a week. And I'm letting myself recover and I feel good. I'm still in good shape. I can still get after it. And I'm just not beating the crap out of myself. So I know it's a disappointment to anyone who's known me for a long time. <laughs> oh, well, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not hammering as much as I was, but, uh, I can't, I still can if I need to, that's for sure. I don't oh, feel man. like I've lost a, lost a step in any way. Hmm. So that's cool. So WAD stands for workout of the day. What do you got for a home gym setup? Oh, I've got a, I've got a three car garage. So I've got the third bay with a squat rack slash pull-up bar slash bench, you know, the whole kind of hit the big three in there with some horse mats on the floor. So, and I've got, I've got a rogue barbell and 350 pounds of bumper plates and a dumbbell rack, a um, couple of plyo boxes, uh, a medicine ball, just kind of the, the basic CrossFit setup. Uh, did you buy your stuff like garage sales, rep fitness, rogue fitness? I, bought the, I got the barbell from rogue. Um, 
just because I, I didn't want to, I didn't want anything other than a rogue barbell. I just, for whatever reason, I like that company. They make their stuff in the U.S. It's good. Um, the bumper plates I got online during the, the COVID craziness, just through wherever I can find them. Uh, they're like do better plates or something. I think they're called and uh, they've held up pretty good so far. I got a decent, a decent deal on them when, when plates were impossible to find. So, and then the squat rack is, I had a buddy make it for me. I got a, a guy here who went to my CrossFit gym, who's uh, does metal work and he was laid off when COVID first started. So I hired him to build me a squat rack. So he bought all the raw metal and welded it all together and, tapped it out and built the J hooks and everything. So it's, it's pretty cool. It's a, it's a custom, custom nice. rack. Nice. So what program do you follow or programming and do you still go to your CrossFit gym? Uh, I haven't been to the gym since I've been back as far as in the brick and mortar. Um, I still follow their programming. I miss, I miss the gym a lot. It's snake river snake river training in Nampa. they've been awesome you know it's uh it's a great gym and great people over there but um before i deployed danielle and i started doing the the dave ramsey thing and just really streamlined all of our budget and our spending and you know i was gonna have to take a pay cut to, to actually to do the military service so but one of the sacrifices i had to make was the hundred and some dollars a month and in, in gym membership costs but uh so that's, that's really my only reason for not actually still going over there and just doing it in the garage. Yeah, I, I know, man, I feel that it's, I don't, I haven't been to the gym in a couple of weeks, but I've, I have gone maybe twice since I've been back from Elkshape camp season. And, uh, I always love going to a gym, man. I love going and seeing the people and, and just hanging out, catching up. But, uh, Dave Ramsey's pretty aggressive, uh, Alicia and I were definitely hardcore Dave Ramsey for about a t decade. And, man, does that teach you delayed gratification more than anything. And uh, we weren't perfect at it. And I wouldn't say I'm a Dave Ramsey devout follower um, as much as I was, say, when I started this podcast four years ago. Uh, but there's still some really good principles in there. Uh, what? What baby step are you guys on? I mean, even even if we we're, we're we're technically we're still snowballing. I mean, we're probably doing what most people do, and we started out really aggressive, and we just hammered out all of our debt to like all we have left is student loans and the mortgage. So like, I sold my truck, I sold my work car before we left. Like, we just got out of everything. Credit cards all paid off. So, um, so now we're just kind of sitting here chipping away at student loans and and not creating any new debt, doing anything else. I mean, I bought a truck with cash when I got home because we squirreled up some money and so I think even if you're even if you're only halfway in it's still better than than falling into the same financial traps that we were before before we started doing it so I think if people had some sort of Dave Ramsey protocol in place prior to COVID it wouldn't have been as bad but we as Americans don't like delayed gratification and we're allergic to discipline and we have no sense of what it means to save money up but like he's got a principle in there of like saving three to six months worth of expenses and i would challenge anyone listening not super stoked on dave ramsey to at least 
do the math and figure out how much money goes out every month just to for basic bills and multiply that by three to six. And there you go. Like get that cash stacked up and put it away so that you're not relying on any handouts. I hate handouts. I don't want any of your COVID money. Uh, and I don't want you to have any COVID money. I don't want our nation to be so dependent. That's not how it works. But uh, yeah, man, I've been hanging out with Oh, Jeff Bynum, uh, my, that buddy, Brandon McDonald, these guys are all like way smarter than me. And when it comes to money and I've realized like, um, we were on the, the, the step of paying off, um, our house. We paid off. We have, I have two houses. I'm not rich. I hate saying that people probably think I bought a house with my dad before I was married when I had money <laughs> and, uh, it's a cabin, but it's a house. It's in Idaho. People have probably seen it on Instagram or social uh, my dad and I bought that together 12 years ago, just paid it off two years ago. Um, it's nice, but you know what? That bitch still costs a lot of money. Uh, you got to pay the taxes, the insurance, and then utilities and then stuff breaks. So even when you pay a house off, like you still have expenses. I mean, so the house I'm in right now, if I paid it off, it would still be about 500, 600 bucks a month in property and property taxes and insurance I, I property taxes are kind of high over here in washington at least where i live so uh it's crazy to think about that like oh i pay my house off and then i don't have any mortgage no not true uh the other thing to think about is that money makes money so a lot of times you can leverage money to make more money in real estate or other things like that so i've kind of backed off from like finish paying off the house i'm in right now uh we're i think we had less than a hundred grand to go. And we just kind of like refinanced, got the mortgage super low and bought it at okay time compared to now. And then we're just kind of looking at other opportunities to, to leverage and, and to make sure that, you know, I don't know, money's a tool. Uh, people don't like talking about money. I don't care. Um, money's not my motivator. Time is time to go bear hunting a lot time to go elk hunting a lot time to hit. I like working from home, working out at home. They do those things. That's for sure. Yeah, man. It's like whatever you value. So that's usually where your money goes. Well, let's wrap this up, Dan, with like 2021 elk season. I'm scared for the elk, for a man of your prowess to have never not killed an elk with an elk. Like you're, you're, you're batting a hundred percent. I know that. Um, and then you had to take a year off. So elk, be be very aware of Dan Salzman's coming for you. Um, what what do you got in store? Just the usual, man. I wish I had a. I wish I could have done a bunch of elk tags and stuff this year, but I'm just gonna get after it over the counter with the bow. Um, what I'm I'm really excited about is uh, I have a ten year old daughter, and this was her first year hunting. She got her hunting license. She's gonna have tags this year. Um, she's not big enough to bow hunt, but I'm gonna just to try to get her on some game and have somebody else add into the freezer around here. And she's, uh, she's super stoked. So we're kind of entering a whole new chapter in my life as far as what my, what my ambitions and priorities are in the fall. And, um, archery elk is still going to be my thing, obviously that I'm going to get after it and go for by myself. But yeah, after that, that's what, what I'm really looking forward to is, uh, getting her out and, and, teaching her the grind and watching her succeed. I think that's going to be the, probably about the coolest thing I've ever done. So 
Mm-hmm. So thinking about uh, not hunting for a year and thinking about elk hunting, what are you going to do that you always do? But also, what are you going to not do that maybe you've done in the past? Tough question, but I really want to dive in on that a little bit. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to take the same approach. I've always been an early guy. Um, three out of the six that I've killed have been before September 7th. I really like that first week of the season. Bulls are bulls are fired up. They're figuring out the pecking order. They're not. They don't always come in vocally, but they're always interested, which I'm okay with. So I like to play that kind of play that quiet game and, and and know where they are and get them get them a little bit fired up and get them to answer me and then kind of sneak in and stick an arrow into one. Um, it's kind of my game plan. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that. Um, I think one of the things that I, I've got away from the last couple of years that I'm really looking forward to get back into is going solo and doing some more stuff just out there by myself, living in the moment, not having to bounce ideas off anybody, really, really taking the time to just kind of soak it all in and enjoy myself and enjoy being uh, back in Idaho doing what I love to do. And I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be a stark contrast from where I spent last September. So I think that's, uh, that's really what I'm just focused on is just being present and being out there and enjoying every minute I get to spend in the woods this year. Mm, definitely. Uh, did you do the EXO death hike this year? I did. Yep. Who all went? What did you guys do there? I haven't talked to Mark or Steve, uh, since I started running Kufaru. Hopefully we're still friends. I think we are. I mean, I don't like. I would imagine those guys are really cool. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I would imagine you guys yeah. are still friends. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we split up into two different teams. Uh, flew into the Frank Church to take two different routes out, both kind of sight unseen, not knowing what we were getting into. I'm not going to rattle off 30 names, but kind of a bunch of the usual suspects were there. Cool. Um, some new guys, which was cool, but yeah, we brought busted into teams of think like a dozen guys a piece and hiked our way out of the church out to uh stib night area and came out in yellow pine spent the night out there after it but three days our team wound up doing 42 miles or so um 20 something the first day and then the middle day was off trail up through an absolute hellhole of a canyon of cliffs and blow down and a blown out creek and no trail just a just a nightmare and the exact kind of thing you're looking forward to when you sign up for the exo death hike. So <laughs> it was, it was good. It was a good one. Nice. So mentality wise, you're there, you, you've done some things that are uncomfortable. You're going to keep pushing yourself. You're maintaining an awesome balance with your nutrition and your training that's sustainable with a great trajectory. Your daughter's getting back in your daughter's starting hunting. You're going to be back in there September so good to catch up with you, Dan. Um, I always respect what you got going on. Where can people follow you? Yeah, uh, just Instagram, uh, Facebook, not doing YouTube or anything like that. Um, just at Dan Salzman. Cool. Well, I appreciate your time on a Saturday morning. Always a pleasure, brother. And uh, guys listening, be like Dan. Separation is in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one. Yeah, appreciate it. That was good. I enjoy catching up with you, man. Um, 
I don't know how you missed the September, but you did it, and your attitude's <laughs> awesome. I survived. So, I made it through it. It's gonna make the it's gonna make the next ones uh, that much sweeter. That's kind of you can't you can either sit and cry about it or or make the best out of it. So that was uh it's kind of what I was shooting for, just putting a positive spin on everything. I did a lot of map work too. That's for sure. So oh, I'm gonna, I bet. I've got I've got a couple new spots I got to go check out here soon. Now that the snow's just about gone, so mm-hmm. I'm stoked. Mm-hmm. It's almost, like that. It's you're almost so- time. You're going solo. <laughs> yeah, like that, man. Yeah, I I'm I'm super stoked for it, man. Just light and fast and burning up country and killing bulls. Hopefully, dude, you will. There's no doubt in my mind. You will. Um, cool. Well, I don't know when this one will come out. Probably a couple weeks or so, but. Uh, just wanted to get you back on man and i wanted to talk to bears and nutrition so we did both those so uh, good good luck on that second bear i hope you get your bow fixed because i want you to shoot something with that annihilator <laughs> okay well i'll work on that all right guys well dan is a stud and now you if you didn't know that now you know and dan if you're listening thank you for coming on i really just got a lot of respect for you the end crispy usa proud partner of the oak shape podcast uh, i'm looking at the crispy colorados right now and that's going to be my number one synthetic boot this year for elk uh, i might use the laponias a little bit on antelope i got a couple of antelope tags i might have two actually i might have three gonna find out soon i don't know what's going on if i could trade those antelope tags for elk tags i would because i don't have crap for elk tags this year hardly any i like the brick stalls i like the guides uh, the Thors are all right. They're not really my favorite, but there seems to be a lot of other people's favorites. But Crispy, get a discount code by going to blackovis.com. Buy your Crispies there. Use the discount code OakShape on just about anything in that entire store. We'll get you 10% off. Thank you, Black Ovis. Thank you, Crispy. Speaking of discount codes, just going to make sure you guys go get some Vortex workout gear. That's right. Vortex Optics makes awesome <laughs> clothing, but I use it all for working out. Uh, check out Vortex Wear, discount code Elkshape, 20% off. Black Rifle Coffee Cub, get on it. Get on it. Get that flying elk roast in your life. Use the discount code Elkshape. They'll get you 15% off. The Elk Collective, this is the time of year you're going to want to study for elk hunting. Watch videos, listen to videos in the background while you're pretending to work, and get elk nuggets from not just one subject matter expert, but all the subject matter experts. we got an army of friends that are badass elk hunters, and they all come together on this digital education platform to get you little nuggets along the way so you can kill elk uh and you're going to want to listen to different people because elk are similar but have nuance depending on what region you're hunting them hunting pressure all that kind of stuff and tactics i like to have all the tactics in my back pocket not just one now i don't just rely on spot and stock i don't just rely on calling or ambushing. I have I have a whole arsenal, and I play different cards on different days until something works. Northwest Attention Systems. Carry a gun in the backcountry. Carry some bear spray, too, from Counter Assault, but carry some gun spray. Uh, when I'm rocking a Glock in black bear country, I got the Northwest Retention System Scout chest harness. I put my bino harness over the top. I also have a 44 mag when I'm in G-Bear country. I don't want whatever country that has bears to even, like, be on my radar. I want to be focused on hunting. So peace of mind, do it for your family, get the gun up on your chest, not in the bottom of your backpack or way off on your hip, get it right where you can use it. 
Right now, I'm getting my spy point cameras set up. I have four cell phone trail cameras. Actually, two are actual cell phones, and two are the, with their link system where you can make any trail camera a cell phone trail camera. And so I'm tinkering with those right now. I just tested them today, as a matter of fact, on my deck, and I got them all working, so now I can go put them out about 10-hour drive from where my house is, and I'm going to get trail cameras out for antelope and for elk, and they're going to send me texts, pictures, of what's going on there and I don't have to go back until hunting season it's going to save me time time that I can spend with my family thank you cell phone trail cameras thank you spy point buck knives buck USA legendary knife makers out of post falls that's 10 minutes from my house I've been to the factory these people are amazing I used buck knives on two different bears this last spring and it was awesome uh, I used their skinny knives I used the buck 110 which is just a classic Buck Knives is where it's at, and we are finally partnered with Buck Knives, and I couldn't be more stoked. Well, guys, that's all I have for you today. Thanks for listening. You have a lot of options when it comes to podcasting. Now, go break a sweat in the name of better elk hunting. Time is not on your side, so do something every day in the name of better elk hunting. Look forward to catching next week's episode. It's going to be a good one. Uh, appreciate your support. Separation is in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one.